Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. But that is not our focus. At least not mine hasn't been. And on, in fact, quite frankly, I feel like every day I'm struggling. Like, I don't want anything else, God, but you. I don't want, I don't, you know, I, I love my family to death and I wouldn't trade them for anything. And I, I love them more than anything else on this earth. But God, actually, I love you more or I want to love you more. Because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't even have them. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be living. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't even be able to make it day to day. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here right now. But then when it comes day to day, like our lives are so turmoiled or we let it be so turmoiled, so disfocused that our Christianity is, is, is labeled Christianity. But where is it? Is this okay with you guys? Is this a little hard? I don't know. I, I'm speaking for myself. You know, honestly, what, what I've experienced over the last several months, but I feel like that God is beginning to say that it's beyond who we are. It's beyond your family, as hard as that is. It's beyond, it's beyond your job. It's beyond the money that you make. In fact, it's beyond the very breath that you breathe into your lungs. But that's the hard part is we want to mix, you know, I had somebody when we were, when we were transitioning to move over here, I had somebody very influential to me look at me and say, well, you're not thinking about your family. I'm like, do what? How am I not thinking about my family? Either, either I should be in the full will of the Lord or I can choose this other route that supposedly is what is better for the family because I'm around family and because I'm around friends, or I can be right where God's called me. Where do you think is the safest place for my family? Where do you think the most loving place is for my family? Where do you think the most anointed place is for my family? Where do you think the, the, the best, best chances that my kids are going to change lives? Where do you think the best place that we can be, but, but that's the hard part is we mix, we mix a humanistic view, a good moral, a good thing. Like, I love my family. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's so great. I, and in fact, I will do anything for them, you know, and it kills me that they're not here today with me. They're at, we, we just sent them off so we could worry about ministering. But the, 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 the problem is we mix good morals, we mix good things and mix it with scripture and call it Christianity or call it, you call it what we're supposed to do. But in fact, (laughs) what does he say that we are into, to what? Let me pull it up here. says, pull it up. It's actually scripture that I just got in my heart this morning.
When you follow me as my disciple, you must put aside your father, your mother, your wife, your sisters, your brother. And yes, you will even seem as though you hate your own life. This is the price you will pay to be considered one of my followers. You know, I'm not, I don't think you should hate yourself, nor do I think you should hate your family. But I think the moment that you begin to put other things more important than the Savior, than God, than what he has planned for your life, that is the problem when we get into issues. Because quite frankly, the very moment that you get up, it shouldn't be about anything else. It should be about, God, I just love you. And what I've been crying out to the Lord, I'm like, God, I want to experience your glory. I want to experience your presence. I want to experience every bit of you, God, because if, if I'm not in your fullness, then I might as well just be another charity that's in Preston that's just loving on people. We have plenty of churches and we have plenty of places that love on people. But as, as Lydia said even earlier, is that when we wholeheartedly serve the Lord, not only will it actually be a flesh love, but it will actually be a love that comes from the king. And how much more will your life be changed or will the lives around you be changed when you actually wholeheartedly love him? I mean, he says wholeheartedly, right? He doesn't say half-heartedly. He doesn't say just on Mondays, does he? He doesn't just say on Sundays, right? He doesn't just say when it's convenient, he doesn't just say, when you're in the shower, talk to me. He does, I mean, you should. He's not, he's not just saying, well, when you're a car or when you just have like 30 seconds, talk to me. That's a relationship. No, if I only talk to my wife 30 seconds every day, she would shoot me or leave me. Well, she couldn't shoot me here. She'd stab me, I guess. But, uh, I guess I shouldn't say I owned a gun in America, huh? Uh, typical. Uh, But it's that moment we read about, we read about these great revivalists. And let let me explain this because this past week I was actually talking with someone expressing like my heart and passion and just like, I want, I want to walk into places that, that nobody sees me, but they experience God's glory. Do you understand? And I was trying to explain this to, to a girl actually that ministers in Preston. I won't say names or nothing, but anyway, she I asked her, I was like, you know, that experience, you ever been, been talking to the Lord so much that, that you just begin to break out and cries, not because you're sad or upset, but because you just, there's just an abundance of joy and happiness. And there's just a presence that really, you can't really describe unless it happens to you. And she's like, no, I'm like, oh no, I'm like, well, I want to challenge you to, to pray for that because once you encounter Jesus, there's not much else we need to do. Obviously, we need to follow up with teachings and all of those things. But, but the problem is a lot of times is, is the Lord gave me, gave me something a while back is, is because of our lack of unadulterated love for the king, we lack his presence or his glory. Because we lack his presence or his glory, we want to program everything. We want to teach and just say, well, you know, God doesn't really work like the New Testament and, you know, Acts. He doesn't really heal anybody anymore. He doesn't really do this anymore or this or that. We just want to, we want to create activities and, and they may help, help people. But last time I checked, I mean, Jesus used a donkey, so I'm pretty sure he's going to use us too. 
if that's, if, if that's all that we're willing to be. But I don't want to just be a donkey on the sidelines. Do you understand? I don't want to just be the cult that, that walks him into the city. I want to be the one that actually carries his presence and, and be as his brother or sister. He says in Hebrews 2.11, he says, Jesus, the Holy One, makes us holy. And as sons and daughters, we now belong to his, to his same father, his same father. So he is not ashamed or embarrassed to introduce us as his what? Brothers and sisters. I don't know, more, more than ever, this verse really just stuck out to me. Because this is Jesus speaking and he says, I'm calling you my sister. I'm calling you my brother. Because when Jesus was here on earth, he wasn't just, he wasn't just, you know, because part of how it worked with the healing and part of how it worked with you know, dying on the cross for our sins, he had to come as what? A human. So yes, he was God's entity or image of God. It was a reflection of God. But actually on earth, he acted as what? A human. So technically, all the glory that he carried was because of the image of God that he carries. So he says that he has given us all authority and that in, in John 14 and 12, he says that, that even greater things that you will do that I have not done, just because mainly because his main ministry was in three years. But he says greater things that you will do. But then he also quotes that he says that you are my sister. You are my brother. Shoot, I'm, the, I'm a brother of the king. I mean, holy cow. You know, I, I have the same father as he has. God, give me it all. Give me all the glory. Give me all the presence. You know, so I was speaking with this girl and I was like, you know, I was trying to explain to her like what the, the presence. And then I was at another function quite recently. And I was saying that, you know, I'm seeking the presence of God, the glory of God so heavily that, that you know, that we haven't really seen in people that I know personally. And she's like, well, how do you know these other people don't have the anointing? Because, you know, the more I, you know, more you get to know them, you, you feel the anointing. I'm like, you know, I just didn't say a whole lot because we were in a group, but, and afterwards I started thinking about it. I'm like, I'm not talking about the presence of God that you don't know until you talk to me. Do you understand? I'm talking about the Charles Finney experiences where, where he walks into, when Charles Finney would enter a city and start his meetings, people who entered the borders or the boundaries of that city would start crying because of a spirit of repentance would fall on them. When Finney would enter a warehouse, people throughout the factory would be slain in the spirit wherever they were, whether they were saints or sinners. These are events recorded in the newspaper and journals of the day. The presence of God went with Finney in such such power that people would come and get saved. I'm talking about anointing that when people, when we walk into the room, People are set free. To me, I'm tired of, of the way I did ministry. In fact, I'm telling God, you, my, my, my position's probably quite odd to what I'm used to, but then I'm like, God, I don't know if people are going to like me because honestly, either you're going to take me, God, because I, I'm, I will not achieve anything compared to what I could achieve if I had all of you. I call myself Christian but what does that mean? What does that look like? How deep does that go? How deep? You know, um, actually, Pastor Jack, it's funny, I was in the middle of reading this book, which will mess your life up if, if you're praying and fasting. If you don't know how to fast, read this book and fast while you're doing it. It'll change your life. But 
he knows Mahesh, which is crazy because I was reading it and I met with him and he's like, yeah, I know Mahesh. I'm like, do what? (laughs) How in the world? But the whole book is about the power of prayer and fasting. The fruit that you see through it, the anointing that you receive from it, that all the greatest evangelists of Charles Finney, Smith Wigglesworth, um, you know, uh, even Martin Luther and all these different people that, that, that really have changed the world practice fasting on a regular basis. Charles Finney he says that when, when, his, when his battery charge would feel low, he would immediately go into a three-day fast because he didn't want to walk in himself he didn't want to walk in, in any bit. In fact, I don't ever, I don't want to, I, I told God, I was like, I don't want to walk tomorrow. I don't want to say anything if I don't have to, because I want you to speak through me. I want your glory, because if I say anything, yes, you can use a donkey. You talk through a donkey, you know, you rode in on a donkey. But God, I want to actually be where your presence just fills the room. I want your glory so heavy that, 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 that people's lives are actually set free. They don't just experience what we teach them. Because so much, we're, we're so bad, we're so good at just band-aiding situations instead of healing the situation. We're so, we're so good at saying, well, you know, honey, it'll be all right, you'll get through this. And that's great. That's what we should say. But, but actually, let, can I pray for you, please? Can, let, let's, let's go to, the, to your father about this situation. You know, yesterday I was at a healing um, teaching, and there was about six or seven different healings that happened in that room from headaches to knees to right ankles. I, we prayed, I was with a group of people prayed for a right ankle and it started from a pain of 10 to a pain of six. We prayed like five times to the moment that she's like, it feels even better than it ever has to, to, to dramatic things that, that you look at Jesus life. And what did he do more than anything? He healed people, didn't he? I mean, he taught and all of these things. But when's the last time that you've seen, no offense, even me or anybody in this room, when's the last time you healed somebody? Not you, but you let God work through you to heal. So if if we're supposed to image, you know, or be like Jesus, if Jesus is supposed to be the person that we're supposed to look to and look for direction and, and really try to mimic, if that makes sense, because he reflected the glory of God, which in return change the world, then, then aren't us as Christians missing a huge point? Because, you know, even a church that we worked with for quite a few years, you know, loved media. I, I love electronics. Like I watched an Apple, Apple announcement this week. Did anybody else watch it? Yeah, see, I'm the nerd in the room. I watched it. I've been looking still at stuff, and that's kind of just my thing. I don't really, I like footy a little bit, but I really don't like sports. I really don't, that's my hobby. I love electronics, that and God, you know. And sometimes if I'm not careful, I'm like, oh, I got to watch this, you know. No, I don't need to, (laughs) you know. Um, Now I lost where I was going with that. But, but, But so much, we're so... We wanted to better the building. We wanted to better this. We wanted to better experience and better. And I'm, I'm not against, I love lights. I love fog machines. I love buildings. I love all of those things. Because, I mean, Leviticus talks about the temple, how much. I mean, he tells every square inch or cubic feet and all of this stuff. I mean, he gives specifics. So I think the temple is important. But when the temple comes more important than actually what you're doing is the issue. And so I look back and I'm like, 
God, I, I was so, I was, I felt like I was in love with you because God, you spoke to me, you moved to me and all of that. But God, I feel like you've changed me, brought me to a new level of a new place that I don't want that any, I, I mean, I do want some of it, but, but that's not my focus anymore. You know, every time your, your conversation about God is what he's been doing in your life. Like, try to have that conversation with someone. Think about that. Like, when somebody talks to you about God, or when you talk to somebody about God, can you express what happened this past week, anything wonderful that happened? I mean, obviously breathing and all of those things. But I mean, like, special things that God worked through you that changed people's lives around you. Can you, can you tell anybody about that? I mean, you look at, you look at people... Everywhere Jesus was, if Jesus wasn't with people healing people and setting people free and getting people saved, where was he? He was praying. And I believe that God is rising up and raising people up to a place that actually the essence of this new life is no longer mine. That, that we actually are, can be his son or that we can be his daughter or that Christ actually lives his life in you. It says in Romans 8 and 10 through 13, it says, now Christ lives in you, his life in you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. The Spirit imparts life to you. Does your life show life? I'm not talking about life of you breathing. I'm not talking about life that they, people know that you go to church or people know that you pray or people say that, know that you have a title as a Christian. But I'm talking about life that when they, they, they don't even have to, you know, you ever have those moments when people just say, there's something different about you. I mean, those experiences, but times a thousand. You know, I heard somebody say it recently is, you know, if the glory of God is like the ocean, we're only experiencing like a teaspoon of it right now. How much more can we get? So, so do, we lo- do we want to just love people and get people saved and get them from hell and let them have a great experience and love on them and help them through the tough situations and, you know, just live life day to day? Or do we actually want to set people free that it's, 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 they, they're encountered by God, that they begin to, to cry out to God, not because of anything necessarily I've said, but because of the presence of God is so heavy that they are actually changed and healed of depression, changed and healed from, from anxiety or changed and healed from, from, you know, physical incapabilities to, to where they actually live life to the fullest that actually when they go out everywhere they're going, they're changing lives as well. Or do we just want to bandaid something and say, well, you'll be okay. You know, you know, Jesus says this and this. No, I want people to encounter God because that's actually where people are changed. As you even read earlier, that's where people's lives will actually be, you know, because once you experience the presence of God, like in those moments where you, where you're crying and you're just like, holy cow, God, why am I like this? I don't know why. When you have those encounters, it's hard to ever leave that. You understand? Has anybody else had those encounters? Like, you just... Because once you experience God like that, why do you want anything else? 
I taught so many years in youth, like, well, you know, you shouldn't have sex. You shouldn't be, you know, you know, kissing or you shouldn't be doing this with your girl. Or you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't be looking at pornography. You know, you shouldn't do that and all this stuff. And, you know, I preach on it pretty regular. I mean, no drugs, no parties, no all of that stuff. And I think teenagers need to know what's right and wrong. I'm not saying that. But I think sometimes my focus was so hard on telling them what not to do instead of just letting them encounter Jesus. Because if we let people encounter Jesus, actually people will be changed. Because what the church has become is just a, a social club that, that encounters other people that say they love Jesus and then call it Christianity, which is in the aspect that why we see people fall away from the church and why we see people doing all of these other sinful things and all of these things, because they're not God-focused, they're just people-focused. Is this hard? I don't know. I just, I'm just like, this is just what God's been birthing to me. Like, I don't want to just walk in Morrison's as just some guy that walks through the market. I want to be like Charles Finney that when I walk in the building, people can't even stand because of the presence of God is on my life. That it's not Nate Turner. That you see even Todd White, and some people don't you know, understand Todd or whatever, they don't like him. But everywhere Todd White goes, people get healed and people get saved. Why, where, why are we falling short of that? This is what Jesus did, and this is, I'm not saying Todd White is Jesus, but I'm saying he's, he's mimicking the image of Jesus quite well. Why are we not walking in the fruits of this? Because we, we say we love Jesus, but we don't really want to love Jesus. We like media, we like TV, we like our, 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 our sports, we like, we like our job, we like this or we like that. I mean, put the top priority and probably need to shove it to the side and say, actually, God, you need to be first. Don't get me wrong. All of those things want to come back, rush back to number one. But when I pray to Jesus, I don't know how to love you more, Jesus, but help me love you more. Help me be intoxicated with you so much that, quite frankly, probably to the world, I'm going to look insane. But it doesn't matter because in the spiritual realm, your power and your authority and your anointing that you've given me is so heavy that people are actually changed. I even walk through places and, and we've been praying and fasting for healing and all of these different things that I feel like every Christian is supposed to walk in. But, you know, I walk through and God's like, you could have healed them. You could have helped them. God, I know, but I don't know what to say. I don't know what to, God, I don't want to walk in experiences or moments that, that I could have done something. God, I want to love you so much that, that nothing else matters but, but you. That it's just a live stream of my hand reaching into heaven that pulls down, that can experience. It's like our head, there's this dark cloud over earth, you know? And only Christians can see above that cloud. So what, don't you think it's our job to help bring that below the dark cloud to let people experience what true love really is? So in, in, in Romans, I know I skipped back. It says, yes, God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you and he will also raise you dying, your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. This, I it is the same spirit that resurrected Jesus that raised his body from the dead. It is the same spirit that breathes life into you. And doesn't that speak life in itself? So then that beloved ones 
The flesh has no claims on us at all, and we have no further obligation to live in obedience to it. The flesh has no claims on us at all. We have no further obligation to live in obedience to flesh. For when you live controlled by the flesh, you are about to die. But if, you, if the life of the Spirit puts to death and corrupt ways of flesh, we then taste his abundant life. But if the life of the Spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, we then taste his abundant life. If you look at the word here that's, that's given for, for flesh in the Greek, I'm not, it's called sarks or something like that, which means flesh, the meat of an animal, the body. But actually, if you look at the root word for that, it is saru, which is to brush off, meaning a broom to sweep. And so much, you know, the flesh, we, we automatically think the flesh means that, that we're sinning. That, that we're, we're, we're looking at something we shouldn't, and we're saying something we shouldn't. We're, we're actually acting in sin is when I think of flesh, typically. Is that, what, is that what everybody kind of thinks of flesh? But if you look, let me just put a little turn to it. You know, to brush off, to sweep. I think sometimes as Christians, our flesh speaks louder than our spirit to where we just brush off things. Well, Jesus doesn't really work that way anymore. Well, you know, my family needs finances, so I have to work overtime. Well, I need this or that or my son or you don't know my life or you don't know this issue or, you know, you don't know that or all of these things. I don't want to live a brush off life. I don't want to live, live a place that, that is just mediocre. I think the truest place of true happiness and true fulfillment and comfort, we we call the comfort zone this place that we're not supposed to be because we're just, you know, we are in that brush off area. But actually, I think actually the true comfort place would actually be in the fullness of God. That when you walk into places, you're walking in the fullness of his, all of his authority that he has given us, that he says that even greater things that we're going to walk in. So if we're going to walk in those things, how much better, how much more comfortable, how much better? I mean, because somebody said recently, you know, he says, this, you know, we always say, well, the deeper you get, the harder the devils, bigger the devils, you know? Well, no, actually the deeper you get, bigger the God. Because the deeper you get with God, the less these, all these little stupid issues that we think are, you know, mountains that when we look back, we're like, why did I freak out about that situation? Like what in the world? What was I thinking? But the bigger our God seems to us that nothing else matters, that, that they don't, we're just walk. Oh yeah, that's just part of the journey. No worries. You know, yep. Somebody died. Yep. Somebody did this. Oh, yep. 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 You know, we just walk through it because the glory of God is so, we're having a heavenly mindset. So if you could just go ahead and play. This all right? It says in Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Matthew 28, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. 
All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God has God living in them, and they live in God. But I think the devil is quite comfortable with Christians that just brush off things. Because if he knows that you're not going to make a difference in other people's lives, then actually, okay, he might not have you, but you're not going to do anything for the kingdom. I'm done with just being a donkey. Or some Brits would say, they would probably use the other word for it, right? I'm not quite there yet. (laughs) But either I want all of this fullness, or just go and take me to heaven so I can receive it there. But believe it or not, we can actually walk in the fullness of him here. I'm not saying there won't be tough times. I'm not saying that the more you fast, the more you seek him, that it won't seem like, you know, earth is falling apart. But you push through and you persevere, you will see things that you've never experienced before. I'm praying for things that that God, you said greater works. You said greater miracles. you You said all of these things that we should be seeing. I want to see it all. I don't want to limit you to the way the American church perceived you. I don't want to limit you to the way the British church perceived you. In fact, I think if we all walked in the fullness as Jesus did, church of the world would not look the way it does. I mean, the way we do format, the way we do, and not that there's, you know, he doesn't say specifically, you know, you have to do this and that and that, you know, how you do service and all of this. But what happens if we sell our hearts out, we sell our lives out, to the place that literally nothing else matters but bringing glory to his name. I'm praying for healing. I'm praying for, for deliverance. I'm praying for all of these things that, that I believe that we receive. But actually, I'm praying that I could just glorify his name more. Because if I glorify his name and if I have his presence, then all of those things will be taken care of. What is the verse? I'm going to butcher it, but, you know, seek the heaven of God. And everything else will fall, you know, you know the verse I'm speaking of. That's what I want. And that's what I want to see. And that, honestly, every person I talk to, people that I, I don't even know very well, I begin to express that I'm like, they can either love me or hate me. But the bottom line is, I know that as Christians, we should all be challenging each other. Every time we go around each other, we should be like, guess what? This is what God did today. You know, guess what? You know, that's the kind of lives we should be living. It shouldn't be like, well, you know, I lost my job today. Well, God's going to prepare. You know, he's, he, he's doing something. You know, he's going to help you. He's going to take care of this. Let's pray for this situation. You know, you ever freak somebody out? They're like, well, pray for, pray for so-and-so or pray for me this week when you think about, it. well, what do you need? Let's pray right now. The power of prayer. Ending out, in John 18, this is right before Jesus is going in the Garden of Gethsemane and Judas betrays him. He says, I ask not only for these disciples, this is a prayer for us, but also for all of those who will one day believe in me through their message. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us. 
This is God. This is Jesus. One with him. If we're going to be one with him, let's begin to take every bit of him. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given to them. So that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me and now I live fully in them. So that they will experience perfect unity. The world will be convinced that you have sent me. For they will see that you have loved each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. This, he says that, that the same love that God has for his son, he has for us. I mean, we see that on the cross. Father, I ask that you allow everyone that you have given to me to be with me where I am. Then they will see my full glory, the very splendor that you have placed upon me because you have loved me even before the beginning of time. You are my righteous father, but the unbelieving world has never known you in the perfect way that I know you. And all those who believe in me also know that you have sent me. I have revealed to them who you are, and I will continue to make you even more real to them so that they may experience the same endless love that for your love will now live in them, even as I live in them. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.